Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Career Anatomy Podcast. My name is Jeff Borup. And I'm Rebecca Clark. And our guest today is Kerry Quinn. And Kerry is a producer. He produces several radio shows, a couple radio shows here in the Phoenix area, which we're going to find out more about that. Sure. But, Kerry, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, Kerry. Tell us what exactly is your role as a producer? Well, basically, I mean, the... the to use your guys' thing, the anatomy of a producer is keeping the show on time, keeping the show professional, picking topics, booking guests. And this would be both for radio and or TV. Just kind of uh, keeping the show, keeping the momentum going on the show, keeping it good energy, all sorts of things. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your background. Like what kind of training or schooling led you into this career? Well, that's the funny thing. I, I had none. Okay. I was very lucky. I, I desired to be in, in media, and uh, because I showed, I guess, a little passion for it, I was the oldest intern ever at Channel 12 uh-huh. at 34 years old. And they said, gee, that's great, Carrie. What can you do here? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> can you show me some things and maybe I can learn? And I, I, I apparently did because within about six months, they gave me my own show. And I went from there, worked about, like I said, 15, maybe 16, 17 years there. And in, in around that, I did, did radio and uh, other TV shows in amongst the, the Channel 12 family. I helped put together the original version of Sunday Square Off, which is our local version of Meet the Press with Bram Resnick. We first started with Rick Brule, so I had fun doing that. Uh, but I would say the funny thing is I started wanting to do, to do radio. So I actually circled, circled back to radio because it's an easier – well, I don't know, easier. It's a longer form. It's like a podcast where there's almost no no time constraints like on TV. You know, TV, you have to be a slave to advertising, 22 minutes for the half an hour or 44 minutes for an hour. And if you don't hit the clock right, it doesn't matter how good the topic is, you have to get the commercials in. On radio, it's a little more relaxed. And I'm, I guess in my way, I'm a little more relaxed, so I like radio better. Makes yeah. sense. <laughs> but anyway, to get, get back to it, I got started at Channel 12 just because I knew somebody in sports, and they said, come in and meet people. And the nice thing is, uh, for me at that time, the interns were very young and very inexperienced, some from Walter Cronkite School, but all the managers were my age, so I had a lot in common. So they sometimes would maybe listen to my ideas more than a typical intern, and I just kept progressing slowly until, like I said, I got my own show. It was kind of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's It's really never too late to train Oh, absolutely. Career. I had 20 years in retail before that, working for my father and then working doing video stores and managing that, doing retail. And uh, as I tell people every day, I had no right to be in that building. (laughs) (laughs) Did your background in working in video stores lead into your interest in media? Yes. Um, As you guys can probably tell, I'm not shy. I like to talk. And uh, I think that helps. And I had a passion for media. Uh, I was a big movie fan, hence the video stores. But I always watched way too much TV. And I thought to myself, how can I get a job in something I really enjoy? And like I said, I just kind of lucked into the newsroom one day and I just continue to try to give them reasons to have me coming back, to keep coming back. Is there anything you did that you feel like, I mean, other than kind of your age and being able to relate to the people that were already in the field through that, is there anything else you think you did that made you stand out and kept you there? Well, yes, because there's two sides to, to broadcasting. There's on-air and off-air. And I think of the producers at that time, I was the most... Um, Outgoing personality, and that's something I don't think you can teach. So you can't say, "Hey, be more outgoing," but I would speak up more and say, "I'd like to try to do that." Where some people would be a little more nervous or 
re, you know, rely more on their schooling. I had no schooling in the field in, in, in TV production or radio production, but I, I kept saying, I'd like to learn more. So that, as I did that, I, I took on things that I thought I could accomplish and was lucky enough to be continually giving other projects to do and for the most part did them all right, pretty well. So in a sense, like your eagerness to learn right. and know more about the field from the people that were in it, right. I think helped. I asked a lot of questions. Sometimes, you know, questions that weren't being asked because I didn't come from just media with the blinders on. I came from other things. You know, I'd, I'd done other things in my life, run other businesses, uh, worked for my father in retail, and I asked questions that a lot of people were not asking, even people that had been in the business for a while because they were so focused on media and things. I was just focused on, gosh, why do we do that? And people, oh, I'm not sure. Okay, well, maybe we shouldn't or maybe we should expand on it. Yeah, I think why is my favorite question ever. Right. Did you find it to be an environment of there were bad questions to ask, or, or was it generally accepting, even despite your lack of industry experience, et cetera, that, that they were kind of receptive to your questions? Very receptive. Uh, I, I got into the Channel 12 newsroom at the time, if you can imagine this, when they had just changed from typewriters to computers. So I saw a little bit of everything. I saw a lot of old school things and a lot of things that were trying to be new school. And at the time, uh, they've separated since, but Gannett owned Channel 12, and they were very kind of tied up with the newspaper. And we were trying to build a separate uh, branding for that, uh, to just be the TV station by itself more. And uh, because I was a little more, I don't know, media savvy or just not so focused on the journalistic side of things, uh, I asked, uh, like you said, Jeff, other questions that were more pertaining to grabbing viewers necessarily than doing things as, as Walter Cronkite would do, which was great in 1980, but not so good in 1995. So it seems very little relevant, specific background experience. You, you dive in head first, yeah. get an internship. Was this a paid not at all. position? No, no. Completely just, voluntary. I did, did it for the summer, exactly. Yeah. Was there a specific aspect of media that you were interested in, in particular? At the time, I thought I could be a sports reporter, sports anchor. I thought I could jump in, and within about two weeks, they'd put me on the air. <laughs> That's how naive I went in. I thought, gosh, why, if Mark Curtis can do this, why can't I? Yeah. And, of course, I realized quickly why I couldn't. So yeah, I can grow a cool mustache. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so where did it go from there? How did you end up getting your own show? Well, um, okay, so well, mostly desire and the uh, continually asking questions. I, I started out as an as a editor, a videotape editor. Uh, that's the first job they gave me, and they saw something in me as far as writing skills, which I was stunned, to, stunned by because when they first gave me my first writing assignment, I thought, okay, they're going to now realize I have no right to be here. They're going to see my writing and say, oh, your writing's good. You've obviously listened to a lot of TV and radio. You know how we, how we format things. Great. <laughs> that was easy. Gosh, what, what do I need to do next? So I think they just figured there's enough good people around me that if I did drop the ball at some point, there'd be somebody there to help. And uh, again, my desire and sort of passion to, to learn things and, okay, how does the, how do the good people in the newsroom do this? You know, when you get into any job, you immediately see who the good people are. And if you're smart enough, you can emulate them. And you don't do exactly things like they do, but you do most of what they do. And then when you get good at that, you try to adapt things to yourself. Tell me about how the industry has changed since you got into it at first. Oh, again, like I said, I, I got in just as they made the transition from typewriters. So the, 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 it's monumental. It's, you know, at, when I, even when I first got there, there were times when our 10 o'clock newscast would have half the audience, pardon me, ha, they call it huts, houses using television, uh, and it would be half of the people in Phoenix watching our 10 o'clock newscast that their TVs turned on that night. Wow. We're lucky for 10% of that anymore wow. because there's so many choices. 
you know, you, you ask a kid, uh, somebody, kid, you guys are kids to me. You ask anybody uh, uh, 30 or under now, 35 or under, did you see the 5 o'clock news last night? And they look at you like, why? Why would I watch the 5 o'clock news where, you know, my, my parents and, you know, to the extent I, it's, it's appointment TV still, but it, there's no such thing anymore. Yeah. So that that's drastic. And then, of course, the trying to get people to, to either go from the Internet to our newscast or internet, our newscast to the Internet. I'll go on record saying we don't even have basic TV in yeah. our household. Oh, cord cutters, exactly. It's, it's the scourge of the Nielsen ratings. <laughs> Tell us about what you, what you do specifically now, the, the, the radio shows that you do produce, et cetera. Well, it, it's that, we just talked about the scourge of the Nielsen ratings. The scourge of every producer is it's gr- so great to have a good show. Like, you guys will be done with this. Fantastic. Boy, that's another good one in the can. And then you start with the – it's like the blank page for the writer. You have a blank rundown that you look at every week and you need to fill that up, whether it be an hour for my car show on, on KTR or two hours on Bunker to Bunker. And you need to fill it up with you know, sound bites, uh, topical stories, or guests. And that's something you have to do starting the moment the show's over. Or you maybe even think you know, a week or two ahead trying to plan things. I'm, I send out, well, it's like a sales job. You know, the, the formula for a good salesperson is you have 10, you make 10 phone calls, you get seven contacts and three sales, hopefully, is the, the old formula. Well, for me, it's the same thing. If I'm trying to get a guest, you know, I might take a couple of texts or three or four emails or a couple of phone calls to finally get contact with the person. And then can you come on my show? I can't come this week, but I can come next week. Well, next week doesn't work. It, that, that's that's the the uh, the basics of any producer, you know, whether it be a daily show or a weekly show, the same thing. You, you start with that blank rundown or page every day. A lot of scheduling issues. And well, and then topics. And then you might throw the topic out because it's not germane. For instance, if we have a car show, uh, last week we, we will tease um, – you know the high price of uh, the high cost of, of auto repair and how to best deal with it for the consumer. Well, this week it was kind of hot, so the guys at the shop might see air conditioner problems. So that's more topical. So we may tease that, we may touch on it, but the whole show may more or less focus on air conditioning issues because that's more topical. So yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Even in a dumb little car show, you you, you fight with the you know, the topical things or the, the golf show, same kind of thing. What do you enjoy the most about producing those shows in particular? Uh, being in control. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a polite control freak, and it, there's no question about it. When when when, I, when the things that come out of my head hit the paper, and then they come together in a two-hour format, or my talent asks the good questions that I'm hoping they're going to ask, or the ones that I hold up and say do that, and they do it. Oh, it's fantastic! It's just a, it's a buzz. Is it true that there's an agenda behind it, behind certain things? Do you have a message that you're trying to convey through some of these shows, or is it just? When I get a good interview, it's a good interview regardless. Or a good guest, it's a good guest regardless. Well, okay, yes and no. Um, I'll, t- I'll say this. I was very happy to see this in all my years at Channel 12, and I've been in other newsrooms for meetings. They always, they, they always, they, the media, the other media says there's a bias to the media. And I have never seen that in all my news meetings where we pick out a story we're going to cover today. We've, I've never seen us not go over an, one of our advertisers on Channel 12 or other stations that I've worked at because we can't because they're, they're advertising with us. So the agenda, that that's not the agenda. Uh, I even worked on a political show where we tried to be as biased as we could. And, and the, the what we always tried to hit was to get as many emails thinking our host was right-leaning as left-leaning. Now, and so, okay, good. They don't know. That's fantastic. But sometimes the subject of the interview is either so bad or so good you have to help the anchor not to go overboard in the middle of it as it's going. In other words, if, if it, you can see a, 
uh, interviewee is not up to the speed for the questions, maybe just shouldn't be in the position he's in, you want to tell your anchor to back off because the person's going to make themselves look bad. You don't want the anchor to go in for the kill because not everybody is Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> and you don't want to, you want to be able to keep the the unbiased part of your anchor by not going in to kill the guy just because he's not smart enough to answer the questions. Is there a favorite show that you've worked on? Yeah, I guess, well, I'm a bit of a sports nut. Uh, so I guess bunker to bunker uh, in all the machinations it's been because I was with the show about 15 or 16 years ago, left to go to TV and then came back to it. So that's kind of my first love, I would guess. But then kind of watching Sunday Square off grow because I'm a political junkie also. And what it, we started at started out as kind of a topical, almost um, like a tabloid, you know, kind of uh, shocking and, 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 and sensationalism. And we got down to more Arizona politics, which was better. And then we had the show got to be so good. We were able to get national guests on, you know, the Chuck Todd, the Senator McCain's uh, and local good local uh, politicians. And, and we immediately made that show kind of uh, the best one in the, in the Valley, I think, for about five or six years. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll talk to Kerry about a little bit more about his background, maybe some of the regrets he's had along the way and see if there's any advice he may be able to give our guests who are looking to get into the media industry and maybe become producers themselves. So this is the Career Anatomy Podcast, and our guest is Gary Quinn. We'll be right back. Whether you are camping in the wild outdoors or walking the urban streets of a busy downtown, you want the accessories you are wearing and the tools you are using to have significance beyond a certain look or style. Quoro Leather is a local Phoenix-based business that understands this. They appreciate the art of leatherworking and time and effort needed to make something that lasts. Real, raw-cut leather. Visit QuoRowLeather.com for more information. We're back with the Career Anatomy Podcast. Our guest this week is Carrie Quinn, and Carrie's a producer. Carrie, you've been around the block. Radio shows, media, TV, Channel 12, etc. Do you have any regrets? Yeah, I guess not taking the, the, the extra chance. You know, I have had been up for some other positions that would have taken me out of state perhaps to bigger jobs that we could have. Uh, I got, I had a comfort zone that I should have stretched out better that I did not. I could have gone to work for NBC Sports perhaps or Fox News at one point. But, you know, the, the thought of moving back east or the other to Los Angeles was just too much at the time. And I liked Phoenix. It was a nice place to be. So could, I regret, could regret that. Yes. Yeah. I like Phoenix too. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, be hard to leave. Yeah. But how about uh, some of the younger listeners we have who are interested in media? It, it's, it seems like one of those topics that's very kind of out there. It's super broad. There's all kinds of different things you right. can do. Do you have any advice to someone who's maybe in high school looking to get into something having to do with the media like you did? Well, do what I did. Uh, find something that you love and try to find a way to make a job out of it. Because like I, I used to tell people, and I've, I said this a couple of times already, I had no right to be in that building other than sheer desire and the idea of trying to learn. And the way I did it one one time was uh, Jude Lukava, who's on Channel 10 now, their sports guy. I used to wave at him at Suns games. And one day they were having a, a live show down at the Arizona Biltmore. And I closed up one of my video stores early and went down there and watched the live show go on. And I hung around. He, he recognized my face. And he was helpful just to get my foot in the door to get you know, to to meet some people. And then eventually, a few years later, I, I had another opportunity to, to do that to take a little further. But it's it's not necessarily what you know. Sometimes it's who you know. The way you get to who you know is by desire. Because again, 
who would wave at the, the sports guy? Ten people do, but not everybody goes up and shakes their hand and says, I'm such and such. And if you have the desire to, to at least see what that next job is like, you, you maybe take that chance and realize, especially in today's day, you know, back in my father's time, you get a job and you work to get the gold watch. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. So realize no matter what age you are, you know, 15, 25, 35, 45, your next job is not your last. There's other, other opportunities to do it. You, look at me now. I, I'm back to the golf radio show I was doing 15 years ago. Who would have figured that? And loving it, by the way. That's awesome. So just to like touch on some of the stuff you were telling us during the break and like about your father, can you tell us a little bit about um, his business, his journey, and then maybe how that inspired you and if you feel like you got like some of your motivation from him? Well, yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I was saying to Jeffrey and uh, Rebecca here, my father uh, in 1971 got tired of the advertising business in New York City and one of their clients was Economic Furniture. And dad said, well, I'd like to, you know, See what that's like. And so they looked into it first. They said, well, you can either move to East Orange, New Jersey at the time, which would have been a good spot to, to, to move to, not, not moving the family too far from uh, suburban New York, or Phoenix, Arizona. And at that time, I was you know 10 years old. I didn't even know where Phoenix, Arizona was on the map. They asked us where the Grand Canyon was. I said Colorado. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sort of an indictment on our schooling, too. Um, but so he took a big risk there. He went without uh, income, basically, for a year and building these stores up and, and became quite successful with it. But, yeah, I guess, Rebecca, to answer your question, it did show me that you can take a chance if you have enough desire to change. I keep talking about desire and passion. There are so many things, you know, how do you find out what you want to do? A little bit of the way is by figuring out what you don't want to do. You know, when I was saving up for my first car, I mowed lawns. I worked in my father's furniture warehouse. Well, those are two jobs I could scratch off the list pretty hard in Phoenix at 110 degrees that I didn't want to do anymore. So, okay, that's two more that I don't want to do. Well, what do you want to do? Well, you kind of have to focus in. But you also have to try to do jobs that are close to what you want to do to kind of get the idea of, oh, that's pretty good or not. And it, again, comes back to taking a chance, which my father did, I guess, showed me subconsciously that you can do it at any age. What's your take on the new media? I know we talked about the, the change in the industry over the years. The podcasters, for instance, like us, yeah. who are we're putting out a product there, and it's certainly not as refined or fine-tuned as something that you would put out. Is there a degree of threat by the mainstream industry as far as these podcasters and, and well i think a lot of the big media uh, what they don't know doesn't hurt them but they did it with we see what's happened to tv and how that's been so segmented if it, maybe if, if the networks and you know, who knows what a network is anymore being more proactive 20 or 30 years ago uh, they would be in a much better standing now but again nobody watches tv when the networks want them to watch it it's all streaming or DVR or, or a podcast. You can you can get anything you want any anytime you want it. Now, as I see the problem being a bit of a journalist, not as hardcore as most of the people I worked with, is you question sometimes what the headline is. You know how much research was done because even in the Channel 12 newsroom, the resources have, or any newsroom in the Valley, any newsroom in America, the resources have shrunk. You, know, you don't send out a photographer and a live truck and a, and, a, and a reporter or two. You send out one person that does it all now. So you, you may not in the bigger newsrooms, but in the podcast world, you question perhaps the legitimacy of a story. But if it gets a click on, that's better advertising dollars for that podcaster or that website. Yeah. If you could give us our little podcast here some just raw, hard advice, what would you what would you tell us? Well, how can I say that? I, I guess to be as topical as possible, but that's hard to determine what's topical. 
you know, what makes what makes something that something that somebody wants to see? Geez, if we could do that, we wouldn't be sitting here. We'd be running one of these networks that doesn't exist anymore. But um, so topical meaning on point, yeah, and, and kind of what what you know the the trends are. Yeah, and, and I mean, in the job wants. market, people are looking for, I would imagine, stability and a good place to work. You know, we hear about Google and these great places that have daycare and you know think tanks and pizza for lunch every day. Well, what's the real world of that? Because somebody's got to work at some point. <laughs> and if you don't like the job, it doesn't matter how good the surroundings are. Because mm-hmm. you're going to spend eight or nine hours a day. You better like where you're going. So if we have an audience member who's tapping into the Career Anatomy podcast, they're likely doing so to you know, reflect upon maybe their own pathway but all, towards an ultimate end of a stable job. Right. So you know, how is this? product going to help me maybe either make my current job more stable or lead me along that path towards stability? Well, okay, a couple things that I noticed when I got lucky enough to get into the media, for for example. Asking questions, educating yourself. I learn things in my job that I do besides producing almost every day now. Now, I'm not a very computer literate guy, but I'm becoming that way because I have to, to change with the times to keep up. And that's kind of fun and exciting. And you get a little bit of a, oh, boy, I can do that now. You got another a quill to, to the uh, arrow to the quill, rather. And that's fun. So always be learning, which I did five years ago. I would have said, no, no, I can do my job. That's all I need to do. Th- that you can't think like that, that anymore. And go to the boss. Do your job. And that's great. But if you're just doing what you're basically asked to do, you're not doing enough. Take on extra projects. Go to the, especially if you like the work. But find out what the boss wants done. And then, and, and if it's not the right thing, question it. They'll admire that. I think one of the things we've come to find too is a lot of the more successful people we have on are. Well, you can't count me among that. Well, I'm kidding. <laughs> let's let's pretend. Exactly. But uh, in fact, I can I can probably test you right now uh, by by this following question. So most of them tend to have some hobbies as well. Okay. So and and I think it falls in line with that always constantly either asking or. Right finding, you know, going the extra mile, etc. Do you have any hobbies yourself or something you'd consider? Well, I watch way too much TV. Uh, I, I, I critique way too many movies, hence the video stores. And I play a little bit of golf, so yeah. Okay. yeah. I wish I had more, but right now I don't have much time for hobbies, uh, learning a new position that I'm in. But, yeah. Yeah. My, my, I guess one hobby is, this is going to sound really lame, booking the right guest, and that's always fun. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a writer too, exactly. Yeah. Working on a screenplay in the back of my mind somewhere, but yes. Do you feel lucky to be in your position? I do. I've had opportunities to meet some of the heroes of uh, of my uh, industry, shall we say, uh, get the interviews that I'd like to have, meet some people that I shouldn't have been able to meet if I worked at the video store still. I was I had a nice sit-down with Charles Barkley years ago, got to meet John McCain on a couple of occasions. Most of the politicians that have come through Arizona I've had a chance to meet just on the set at Sunday Square Off. And... Uh, had a chance to do a 20-minute sit-down with my comic hero, Billy Crystal, and working for NBC Golf at one of the U.S. Opens, I got to sit in the booth for an hour with Bob Costas. So that checked a couple of boxes for me. Yeah, yeah he's, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's a Syracuse guy. Oh, yes, definitely, yes. Guy. Yeah. I know it's a huge media school yes. and broadcasting yeah. school. A lot of the guys on the air in Phoenix are, are uh, Syracuse guys. Yeah. yeah. John Bloom and uh, Larry Gatos. I know when I was going to law school there, Shaquille O'Neal was there for a little stint because yeah. he was just transitioning into the media. Exactly. All right. Well, Carrie, you've been an amazing guest. You're well, an amazing you. person. 
uh, very interesting to hear your story and where you've been. And I, I hope this, you know, a, a little taste of your personality and where you've been, your tenacity and passion for what you do helps uh, maybe some of these younger listeners who are looking to get into the media. It's a lot of fun. It's funny. I, the last group of interns that I was with, I left Channel 12 a few years back. I see some of them that were interns for my shows or our shows on Channel 12 that are now on air at Channel 15, Channel 5. So it, it can happen that quickly. So if you li- if you really like it and it's your dream to work in media, go for it. Carrie, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And thanks, everybody, for listening. listening then thank you for being here this podcast is produced by still west productions and new episodes are released once a month for your listening pleasure show notes and ideas originate from our blog and links can be found on our website at www.careeranatomy.com you can also follow us on twitter at the handle at career anatomy the views expressed on this podcast are ours alone and are in no way an implicit nor direct reflection of the views of our employers we hope our discussions motivate you to jumpstart your own career research and develop your own opinion on these professions and how to achieve success in your field thank you for listening and we'll see you next time